You are listening to Packers Now. Get the latest updates on the Green Gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and today we're going to go through evaluating all the day three picks for the Packers, going pick by pick, giving my thoughts on the, each of these players. Um, yeah, and it's been a couple days since the draft ended, but I needed to give myself a break after this was one of the hardest drafts I've ever had to digest since I started taking such a strong interest in scouting NFL prospects. Maybe it's because I know every single, uh, I know more every single year, uh, but I was just sick to my stomach and I just couldn't even quite fully take in what was happening as I watched how the Packers were going to make their moves in this draft. So now though, let's go through pick by pick and help you understand why even every pick on day three was a crushing blow after a hard first two days in the NFL draft. So starting in round four, uh, the Packers no longer had a fourth round pick because of their questionable decision to trade up to select QB Jordan Love. That fourth round pick could have been used in a variety of ways to help this Packers team. The big one uh, would be using it to trade up in the second round to grab the receiver they wanted. Rumors say that the Packers had their eyes on a few receivers that were available at the start of the second round. If those receivers were still available at pick 62, reports say that they would have selected them. After a few receivers went off the board that were selected, the Packers said they tried to trade up but couldn't find anyone to trade up before the final receiver they liked that high was still available. To me, that says the Packers weren't willing to give up the third round pick to move up, which makes sense because I wouldn't either. But if the Packers would have had their fourth round pick, that's the pick they could have had, could have traded to move up to grab one of the receivers drafted in the second round. Based off of when the Packers tried to trade up, those players probably included Kelvin Johnson Jr. clone receiver Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, who no player in NFL history has been as tall, heavy, and as fast as Claypool, except Kelvin Johnson. And Claypool had a great year of production in 2019. The other option was freaky fast and quick small receiver target KJ Hamler, who has had some problems with drops, but has been compared consistently to a possible next to Sean Jackson. And then finally, the last option was LaVisca Chenault, who I've spoken about time and time again, but this is the running back receiver gadget tool type of player who will break more tackles and get more yards after the catch than any player who was drafted this year, I think, and would have added a very dynamic part to our offense. So now the second way the Packers could have used that fourth round pick would have been just using that extra fourth round pick with the pick 136. I think the Packers had a few options that they could have gone after. First would have been cornerback Amik Robertson. I've spoken highly of Robertson before, but he was still on the board and would have settled the Packers need at the slot corner. Robertson is only 5'8", but if he was a few inches taller, he would have been a first round pick in this draft. He had an elite 91.2 coverage grade in 2019 and would have filled a big hole in our secondary at the slot corner position. The second option would have been to grab the Packers' first receiver and only receiver of the draft, and I would have taken Tyler Johnson, receiver out of Minnesota. I love Johnson, and even though some don't see him as a top receiver in the NFL, maybe because of a lack of athleticism, I think Johnson has proved his worth by putting together two top years in a row. And in 2019, he had an elite 92.2 receiving grade. He caught 25 touchdowns the last two seasons. And is most compared to Devontae Adams because of his great route running, his great releases, his great ability to catch the ball in traffic. He would have fit perfectly as a small option at slot receiver. I know the Packers like the big Devin Funches at slot, the Jay Sternberger out in the slot as the tight end. Yet, um, there is something to add with one of these small guys. They tried to get Darius Shepard in the offense at the start of last season because they liked him so much. Think about what they could have done with a guy like Tyler Johnson. So, 
that's probably the guy that the Packers should have selected if they wouldn't have made the decision to trade up for Jordan Love. Third option would have been to grab edge rusher Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. We didn't end up needing to. We'll talk about that at the end. But um, Curtis Weaver has this unique body type. And many question if that type of frame could win in the NFL. But I would argue that you would stick to the production. And you take a possible risk on a player who no edge rusher has posted greater than 90 overall grades as an edge rusher in two seasons in a row since PFF was created, except Weaver, who did that in 2018 and in 2019. Weaver had produced 38 sacks in the last three seasons. I know we have great edge rushers, are in the team, but you can never have enough. And with how different Weaver is compared to backup Rashawn Gary right now, weight-wise, it would have been great to have two very different edge players as backups on our roster, knowing how much Pettin wants to employ these guys on the field. Last year, if you looked at our defense, the Packers sometimes would have three or even four outside linebackers on the field using Kyler Fackrell and Rashawn Gary on top of Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. I really like what Curtis Weaver could have offered the Packers because Preston Smith, you know, is tall, lengthy, a little less weight than uh, Zadarius Smith. And Zadarius Smith is more the heavier, uh, more explosive uh, option and that's kind of what Rashawn Gary reminds me of and it would have been nice to have Curtis Weaver that kind of similar type of player to Preston Smith behind him these scenarios I just gave you is why I did not agree with the Jordan Love pick uh, you know we could have traded up for a receiver we could have got a receiver Tyler Johnson we could have got a Meek Robertson we could have got Curtis Weaver if we wouldn't have made that trade and most importantly a quarterback I really like uh, who won big games at Georgia for the last three seasons uh, who has been super accurate, super consistent, doesn't turn the ball over, would have been a perfect player as a developmental QB, and that is Jake Fromm, was still on the board in the fifth round, who I would almost like more than Jordan Love uh, for t- some different reasons that I mentioned just now. And th- yeah, uh, there's just this draft could have looked a lot different, and we'll get into that in a later podcast soon as we redo the 2020 NFL draft just for fun. <clears throat> but let's jump into our picks and evaluate them. Starting with our fifth round pick, Kamal Martin, linebacker out of Minnesota. So he's 6'3", 245 pounds. He started the last three seasons for the Gophers. In 2017, though, he was a box safety slash slot corner. And then finally in 2019, he ended up playing mostly off-ball linebacker. 2019 was, was his best season overall with a 70.6 overall grade, which isn't very impressive all, at all. It's It's average. Uh, unless injuries were a reason, I wouldn't probably draft anybody with lower than 80 grades in college. Uh, because of his history from edge rusher as a freshman to slot corner to box safety to traditional off-ball linebacker, he does have some versatility to offer the Packers at the back end of the roster, but never has Martin impressed at any of these positions. Martin was an average linebacker in 2019, and I don't see how he could be an upgrade over any linebacker we currently have on the roster. So maybe the Packers saw this as a need and felt the need to draft somebody. At this point in the draft, I really didn't like many or any of the linebackers left on the board. And here the positional value just wasn't there. The linebackers weren't valuable enough to draft in the fifth round. The Packers reached on a player because they felt like they wanted to add a linebacker and didn't take the best player available when they could have drafted guys like interior offensive lineman Natane Muti, who I loved, was actually the number one interior offensive lineman on the board, according to PFF, at the start of the draft. So um, I loved him. He was still there. Could have drafted him and let him get healthy over the next year, be ready to play in 2021. And then interior defensive lineman Bravian Roy out of Baylor, who was sensational in 2019 as both a run stopper and a pass rusher. And or even Donovan Peoples-Jones, the most athletic receiver in the draft overall. And 
overall, I give this pick just an F. I hate it. There's not one part of this pick I like. I can't even convince myself to like this linebacker. And I hope he proves me wrong, but this pick was an F for me. The next pick was at 192. The Packers selected John Runyon into your offensive lineman out of Michigan. Evaluators came out and said Runyon was one of their favorite late-round linemen drafted. Uh, I'm not sure why, <laughs> and we'll get in that. Interior offensive line was a big need for the Packers as Corey Lindsley is up for contract in 2021, and I really don't like what Billy Turner gives us at right guard, and personally, I'm ready to cut him at this point after the 2020 season. So there are two positions that to fill come 2021, but Runyon really hasn't stuck out to me as I do my research on him. He's 6'4", 306 pounds, one of the older players drafted as he was in graduate school and never had a season... Uh, with a PFF grade of over 70, which is very concerning. The one hope I have for Runyon was that he started at left tackle the last two seasons, and in the NFL he will most likely most likely play interior offensive line because of his arm length. That change for a lot of linemen can really increase their effectiveness as an entire blocker in the run game and in the passing game. Uh, Runyon was never above average in any major category though and his only potential is based off of that switch to interior offensive lineman which may not even help him that much i'm not sure overall i gave uh this grade a d minus because at least he has the potential to increase his overall play by not being required to block the most athletic players on the field from the edge rusher position but still really hate the pick especially considering this is just another pick the packers could have used to move up in the draft instead of wasting out a player who will most likely never play in the nfl Next pick was pick 208 in the sixth round, and the Packers selected another interior offense lineman, center Jake Hansen out of Oregon. So Hansen was a four-year starter at center, never had a problem with major injuries as he played at least 700 snaps each season. Very consistent player, having almost the 70 overall grade every season. Hansen can be a backup center for many years in the NFL, but probably not anything more than that. He never showed any growth in college as a pass blocker or a run blocker, and at this point, we shouldn't expect anything more. Overall, I'll give this pick another D minus. Being consistently average in college will make him simply consistently bad in the NFL. Another pick that could have been traded to move up early in the draft. And there was also a safety I really liked still on the board who could have been picked in, in Geno Stone out of Iowa, who would have been a really nice piece to add to our secondary, I think. With our final pick in the sixth round, the Packers grabbed the last of three offensive linemen in, in the last three picks. And this was interior offensive lineman Simon Stepan, Stepaniak out of Illinois. So Simon's just another... Random flyer on a late interior offensive line prospect who was a starter in college. Stepaniak's grades were worse than Hanson's and Runyon's overall in 2019. The one good thing about Simon was his vast improvement from 60.3 overall in 2018 to 68.6 overall in 2019. So Simon might be finally growing as an offensive lineman, and that trend of growth is a good thing to see. Yet his numbers still show the Packers have grabbed just another average interior offensive lineman. Simon's strength is, though, unmatched because he did put up 37 bench press reps at the Combine, which only, I think, one other player was higher or tied. Overall, I give this pick a D plus. Not that I like Simon more than the other linemen in the Packers the Packers just drafted, but he does have some potential as he is training upward and has the strength that maybe he can start to learn how to take advantage of at the next level. Now, in the seventh round with their first pick, the Packers selected Vernon Scott, safety out of TCU. I hadn't heard of Vernon, Vernon until the Packers selected him, so I had to do some research on him. And he was a one-year starter at TCU and had a good year, being fourth on his team with 44 tackles, broke up seven passes, one interception. In just one year of film, there's not too much to know about Vernon, though. I like that the Packers added a safety to the mix with one of their draft picks. This seems to be one of the lighter positions on the team behind the income incumbent starters. Yet Scott is still 
is not very experienced, even during his time in college, which is kind of concerning. There's not much you can say about a seventh-round pick like this, and I would give it another D-minus rating as he's not even rated on most boards. I think a guy he probably could have got as an undrafted free agent. With the final pick, the Packers pick in the seventh round at pick 242, the Packers selected Jonathan Garvin out of Miami. So now this is a player I knew about when the Packers selected him. Garvin had a decent college career. In 2019, he had an 80.9 overall grade, hurting the QB 33 times last season, and he had an 88.2 pass rush grade, which ranked 18th among all edge defenders. Garvin has the size, speed, and power to be an effective backup edge defender for the Packers. His teammates called him Spider, actually, because of his incredible agility to have such a low bend around the edge without falling over. He was originally actually ranked number 132 on Pro Football Focus Big Board, and that's a steal for the seventh round. Most importantly, because of his age, he's only 20 years old, still giving him many years to improve and still reach his peak as a player. I give this pick an A, actually, not because Garvin is a great player and is going to be elite in the NFL, but because getting a guy who should have been drafted in the fourth round in the seventh round and filling a position in need, as we only have really Gary as the only backup edge defender currently on the roster, that's a good pick. This is finally a good pick. Uh, Hasn't been many of these. So uh, day three wasn't a total waste grabbing a player like Garvin that late in the draft. But overall, most of the players we added, I could find better players to add instead who I think would have a better chance of performing and playing in the NFL. Or we could have used those picks to trade up to grab other guys we liked in the first few rounds when there are actually quality players on the board. Overall, the Packers, I think, put positions before best players in this draft. They had positions in mind they wanted to fill and were too unwilling to trade up and wouldn't give up picks later in the draft that really didn't help them become a better team. Unless Aaron Rodgers retires in three seasons and Jordan Love has a great year in his fourth year as a starter and Dylan takes over as a starting running back in 2021 for three seasons and Garvin becomes a stellar pass rusher, I think we'll take a look back and be very disappointed at this draft class in a few years. It's not impossible that those things could happen, but I think there were better selections to be made that could help this team now and had better potential to become future stars for the Packers. I can, And we're going to go over that in a future podcast. So there you have it, guys. Thanks for listening to Packers Now. As we look forward, we're going to give you guys an overview of the undrafted free agents we got, redo the 2020 NFL draft, which I'm looking forward to, then look at where the Packers are, are at compared to the other teams in the NFC. And an update, guys, uh, probably cover this sometime this week as well. At 4 o'clock today, the comp pink window closed, meaning any free agents you sign at this point will not affect our compensatory pick evaluations for next season, which opens up some players for the Packers to go after, especially knowing a few weaknesses on this team currently after the draft is finished. So to clarify, that just means uh, before we lost players in free agency, those players, uh, now we can sign players in free agency that were on former teams that weren't cut, and they won't affect that the compensatory pick evaluation, meaning we lose good players. The NFL compensates teams for losing good players by giving them draft picks. And we haven't signed any players from other teams who were not, who were just, uh, who were not released or cut. So, um, that's a good thing that opens up a bunch of players for the Packers to look at, especially at the corner position, which is pretty light right now. Uh, and probably interior defensive line and maybe even receiver or tight end. So, uh, there you have it, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to Packers Now. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please like, review, subscribe to my podcast to get the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.